Uh, hey guys, and welcome uh, to Pizza Plus Coffee Equals Code. Uh, our episode uh, this week uh, is featuring Sebastian Cooper uh, from Diplodocus Games. How you doing? Fine, I'm doing really fine. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, we have you on uh, because you have just released, or just patched uh, today in fact, uh, Keen Dreams, uh, definitive edition for the Switch. Um and we'll talk about some of the other games in the studio as well uh, throughout the episode. Um, but just to start off with Keen Dreams, uh, how did it come about? Did you guys get approached? Did you guys go out and uh, try and find this opportunity? Well, uh, we were working on a game for the Wii U, and it was finished. And uh, the guy who has the rights to Keen Dreams was also on the Nintendo forums. And uh, yeah, he saw that we were still working on Wii U games. And initially he was interested in finding someone to port Keen Dreams to Wii U and 3DS. And there were not many people doing Wii U at the time anymore. So he asked me. And uh, yeah, uh, my wife uh, is also on the team, uh, helped a bit, but mainly then uh, for this project, it was just me from our studio who did the porting. Uh, yeah, and then during the project, basically new ideas came up. We discussed uh, what the right situation actually is. And then we came up with a definitive edition. Because hmm. uh, I guess slightly different to uh, most uh, remasters that you expect to see, you guys actually added content. Um, so what was it like to, to add content to something that already existed? Did you have to be careful to match what was already there or were you sort of free to do whatever you'd like? There are limitations to what uh, we can do with Keen Dreams because of the licensing agreement. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, Bethesda uh, actually owns Commander Keen and also the games one to six. And then there's Keen Dreams, which was developed between part three and four. And uh, there's a different right, rights holder for that. And he owns the ho whole Keen Dreams IP, but uh, there are limits to what we can add. So basically we could add no additional uh, yeah, visual elements. We could just use what was there, but we could rearrange. So we really had to make sure that all our level design ideas worked with the elements that existed in the original game. Um, also, of course, we wanted to match the tone and type of level design that uh, Commander Keen has. So yes, it, it was trying to basically adopt what was there, but also to give it a, free, uh, a fresh touch. Uh, so you guys have also done uh, original games. Um, coming into something like uh, Keen Dreams, was there a sense of pressure knowing that there was people who enjoyed the original and were going to be uh, I guess, comparing it to that or scrutinizing it like that? Absolutely, yes, because uh, I, I, I'm a keen, keen fan from childhood as well. And you see, if, if you're a fan for something uh, for 20 years for, uh, for a franchise, then uh, and it, the franchise is on hiatus, so there was nothing new since 2000 with the Game Boy Color release, then uh, you quickly have people with diverting opinions of how this game series should progress, what is essential to the game, what uh, should be changed and what could be changed. And in particular with Keen Dreams, I was a bit worried about one thing. I think that the game structure, the original game structure, had some weaknesses to it. And uh, we had some heavy discussions which 
parts of the original game structure to change. So it's not just additional content. We also changed how to progress in the game. And this is, of course, something where we were a bit worried how fans would react to that because it really changes the basics of the game. Uh, and have you noticed uh, since you released it, uh, like I noticed the patch notes and stuff are all on Twitter, pretty open with the community. Uh, have you noticed that they've uh, embraced it or been constructive with their feedback? I think most people were were pretty constructive. There was one issue that uh, was a bit uh, was a bit was a bit, yeah. Not, not so nice because uh, when we adopted the game to 60 FPS, so when I adopted the game to 60 FPS, I uh, uh, yeah, reused mostly uh, the code from the original game for the physics to make sure that everything plays like the original. Um, and also I used the exact jumping physics from the original, but there needed to be some scaling uh, because the original did not run to 60 FPS, but at a lower uh, frame rate. And there was an error in the scaling for the jump. So the jump originally was a bit too floaty. So it was a bit wider than it was uh, in the original game. So then uh, uh, people uh, showed me the difference and I uh, looked at the code again. I found uh, what, uh, what the issue was and now the uh, uh, fix is online. I think most people were really constructive and, and helpful. Some people also yeah, really then went on uh, being pretty, yeah, nasty in their comments but but i think yeah well it's it's fair it's uh, it's a game they uh, they care about and uh, yeah then uh, if something is not right uh, then uh, it's totally fine if people also complain with a bit uh, harsher language i think uh, one should be able to deal with that uh so moving away from uh keen dreams how did uh diplodocus games come about the original thing is that a good friend of mine and I, uh, as children, we always wanted to do a 3D platformer. So uh, since Super Mario 64, we were always really, yeah, uh, fascinated of this. And we always had ideas how to make a 3D platformer, but not the means. And in particular, we are console focused. So for a long time uh, for individuals, there was no chance to even make a console game. And then Nintendo uh, opened up with the uh, Wii U and uh, also had the Unity engine uh, supported fairly early on without any additional cost. And so we yeah, sat together and said, let's try to do it, make a, a 3D platformer. And this is really how it started. My best friend, my wife, and uh, uh, the cousin of my best friend, uh, we started to work on this game together and it's, yeah, it took many years. So in the end it released when the Wii was already basically dead, but uh, luckily we got a, a Switch license later on and could port uh, the game uh, Regina and Mac then to Nintendo Switch. Uh, so did you always, uh, you talk about wanting to make a, a 3D platformer. Did you find, I guess, the first step of, well, let's do it and actually start encoding the hardest step, or was that a bit easier? Uh, my profession is that I am a, a computer scientist. So the programming part is not uh, not the most difficult thing. But uh, the difficult thing uh, really is um, to to find um, a way to uh, to express the creative ideas you have in the in the for the level design and make it match with the with the gameplay. So 
you have systems and you need to adjust basically the systems and the level design. And in a 3D world, you have many details you have to look for uh, to uh, yeah, really catch it correctly. And so, uh, yeah, I think the most difficult part actually was the level design for, for all of us, because this is really what makes and breaks a 3D platformer. So besides the mechanics themselves. So these two parts are what is the most important thing, but the mechanics you can program, try, modify freely at the, at the beginning, but the level design is a bit more difficult because you also get better at it. And then you don't easily see how a new player will engage with the level without any prior knowledge of the level. Uh, so Regina and Mac, as you said, uh, came out on the Wii U. You guys have ported it to the Switch. Um, have you seen a lot of people uh, picking it up for the Switch uh, and trying it out who may not have played it on the Wii U? So it, it sold better on Switch than on the Wii U. So I think that there, there must be <laughs> quite a few people who bought it on uh, Switch, but not on Wii U. Uh, but yeah, it, it is a very small game, so uh, the uh, it's not like it's it's huge hit, but it is uh, like we have some audience. We're we're happy about that, and um, uh, the switch certainly widened uh, the audience uh, pre uh, compared to uh, before, where it was on Xbox, Wii U, and PC. Hmm. So you uh, you have this. Uh dream or this plan to make this 3d platformer you finally make it a reality and you start seeing people play it what's the the feeling there uh, is it just uh, joy or happiness when you see people playing it so the first thing was actually with anxiety because well we we made what we wanted but uh, i think everyone uh, who who makes a game makes it in basically the way they want and uh then your audience will react to it and some may like it some may not like it and some games really uh make people quite furious actually so we were uh we were anxious and uh yeah respectfully waiting uh, how the reactions were but actually we were uh, quickly pretty happy when we saw people play the game talk about the game and and see how they uh yeah basically uh saw the levels as we as we hoped they would so some people really explored it like and, and saw things as we thought hopefully that people will see it like this and will uh, will explore this uh, like this and if you see gameplay videos you can sometimes really see that this idea really worked and then uh, it was uh, what we, we were really happy that this uh, worked out in this way uh did you have any uh inspirations um obviously coming from loving those classic uh 3d platformers i imagine you played a bunch of them uh but ones that sort of uh shaped the way regina and mac ended up working yeah i think uh the uh first and obvious example is uh, banjo kazooie um because uh, the main game structure with the nine worlds with 10 main collectibles and 100 small collectibles per world is basically banjo kazooie and also the music is pretty similar but I think we did a tiny mistake in pronouncing the Benjamin Kazooie uh, inspiration a, a lot because actually the gameplay is quite a bit diff uh, different to Benjamin Kazooie because we try to go for a more um, skill-based uh, uh, platforming style. So more difficult jumps and uh, less like um, yeah, lovable worlds. So this is a difference. So we also had a bit of Super Mario 64 
and Crash Bandicoot uh, inspirations in this to really more point toward the um, yeah, exact jumping. So this was something that is not so much a, an issue in Banjo-Kazooie, but in, so, uh, in uh, Super Mario, uh, Crash Bandicoot, and in some small portions also Sonic is, is a bit in there. Uh, you guys have also uh, helped port a few other games. Um, where where do you see your guys going forward uh, with Diplodocus Games? Are you uh, expecting to just continue working on the games that are out, doing some more ports, uh, or trying another original game? So um, if there are games that really are... Yeah, dear to our heart, then we would like to uh, port them as well. So Macbeth 64, which is uh, coming soon, is something we ported because we really liked the style, we liked uh, the gameplay, and we uh, uh, yeah. And uh, one has to say that uh, Marcus Hamstrakter is uh, is a really excellent guy to work with and a really nice person. So if there's anything he works on and likes to have on Switch, this will always be a priority to work with him on that. But uh, we also have ideas for new games, which will not be 3D platformers. So we are actually thinking about making an F-Zero style racing game, uh, which should be our next main project, but it, which will also be, yeah, it will take some, t uh, some time because we will write a new uh, yeah, sub-engine in Unity to really make a good uh, racing game. And uh, so this will be a bit uh, off. We may do one or two parts uh, in between, especially if Siactro comes up with something, then we will always be ready. <laughs> uh, for, for people who want to start looking at getting into doing game development and um, heading down that path, uh, do you have any advice to them, um, maybe specifically about unity or just in general the the business well uh, it is um, about the business i cannot say uh, that much because we don't have a publisher we are working independently and so uh, the business side is not something we are that much uh, concerned with um, and doing it as a main job i think is pretty tough because you have a have a long time to that to develop a game with many uncertainties and where does the money come from at that time? So one thing I can really say is, uh, first think about what is really the most important thing for you in a game and in, in your project, and what are your talents? So what can you really focus on to make it really shine? For us, it really was the, the first major thing was we spent almost a year on perfecting from our perspective, uh, the game feel and response uh, of uh, the characters. Some may also have uh, different priorities. So basically, some people, for instance, can write excellent stories or something. So really think about what are your talents before starting with the game and really focus on what you think you can really not just do in, a, in an okay way, but what do you think you can do in a way that other people think, oh, this is really interesting. This is not like uh, all the other games I have played. Yeah. Uh the, the name of the podcast uh, is Pizza Plus Coffee Equals Code. Uh, but for you, those late nights, uh, you're working hard, you're trying to get some code out. What fuels those nights for you? Oh, uh, pizza was actually involved a lot. <laughs> so uh, when I met with uh, my best friend and we worked together uh, on designing the program, it was just me, but we, we both designed and uh, and uh, play tests. So my uh, my friend helped, for instance, especially with the level design. 
Um, then uh, we were always discussing, uh, yeah, uh, small uh, design parts while, while having a pizza <laughs> and uh, really playing the same parts hundreds of times, uh, changing little a little things. And I think the the discussions are really uh, the most uh, the thing that stays most in your mind. You sometimes discuss about something that a player will only play for for ten seconds, but you discuss for it uh, for a whole evening about the placement of just one or two platforms and if you make it a bit easier, a bit harder and uh, all these detailed uh, discussions are really something that stays uh, with you uh, also long after development has finished. So, well, thanks a lot for taking time out of your day to have a chat to us. Thank you for having us. Uh, and if people uh, want to play Regina and Matt Keen Dreams uh, or hear more about your studio, uh, do you have social media or website links that they can head to? Yes. So we uh, are active on uh, Twitter uh, under the name uh, Diplodocus Games, uh, written together. Uh, and um, we also have a website, diplodocus-games.de. Uh, which will, uh, will update soon to feature all the projects that will be available for Switch probably until early of early October. Well, uh, have a good evening and uh, we'll uh, yeah, hope to hear more uh, coming out. Yeah, I hope we can uh, speak again at a later time. <laughs>